Welcome to the Destiny Church Tees Valley podcast. As you listen, it is our prayer that you were transformed through faith, hope, and love. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you this morning. And uh, to be in God's presence. Uh, there's no celebrities here today. Thank you for the honor and thank you for the, uh, uh, the welcome. We appreciate that, but actually, there's only one real celebrity, and they call him Jesus. Okay, we <clears throat> we point we point all we are is finger pointers to him, and uh, we want to make sure that he gets the glory in everything that we do. We have to say that the things that we've been able to do across the world is an immense privilege and an honour for us to be able to do it not something that we want to be honored for, for doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's important that we, that we reach out. It's, it's 135 countries around the world that we've been able to be in on every single continent. And yet we come from a very simple background with very um, ordinary education, no finance, and yet God does amazing things and has made it all possible because it's all about him. And whatever you set out to do for Jesus, he'll make sure he backs it, okay? He's the one who makes it all happen. And uh, hey, that's our God. The stall at the back is all about mission. It's not about us. If, uh, if you're able to spend a fortune on it, then we'd love you to do that because all of that will go uh, into mission and go towards the project uh, of Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso is the second poorest country in the world. Okay, um, many people in Burkina Faso live on 50 pence a day. Okay, £3.50 £3. a week is a reasonable wage for the people of Burkina Faso. So, you know, when you're thinking about that you're feeling poor and you're feeling struggling, then just have a little bit of a thought for people. But I want to tell you, it's called Burkina Faso because that means the land of upright people. And you know what? Them people are not, they might be poor, but they're not poor in spirit. Since we went, they've opened 3,000 churches across Burkina Faso. And every single one of them churches has at least one foreign missionary where they've sent people to 3,000 locations across the world from Burkina Faso. Britain, in Assemblies of God, only has 120 missionaries. So when you consider that a nation with nothing has a passion for the world like they have a passion for the world, then we have to spark ourselves up a little bit to begin to say, do you know what? Are we for this or are we not for it? And so please, please have a look at the stall. Um, there's two books on there that are my latest books, and one is, um, is this book, called the book of Hebrews. This year I started out uh, on a new type of devotion because I felt I'm, I'm getting bored with what I'm doing. You shouldn't get bored with the Bible, but actually I was getting bored. I was getting bored of the sameness. I was getting bored. I'm 74 years old. 
we ought to have sameness, I suppose. People sit in chairs, put their feet up and things like that. Not Dave, okay? I want something new. I want something fresh because God is a fresh God. God is, a, is an up-to-date God. I want to be relevant. I want to be with the young people. I want to find out what God's doing today because when we're in that kind of mode, we're in a God mode because God is the same today as he was yesterday and will be in the future because God is a God of the now. And I don't want to live in history. So thank God for what has happened historically. I want to live today. I want to be alive today. I want to be alive to what God is doing today. And I want you to have that same kind of attitude where we're alive to what God is doing and we slot into that situation. So I began to look at the book of Hebrews, began to read it and think, well, I'm going to read it and read it and read it. And then all of a sudden I felt, do you know what? I need to put that into poetic form. And so every chapter, every part of the book of Hebrews, we've written out in poetry. And, and, and it's a lovely way of actually having a time of devotion. So I'd like to recommend it to you. And the other new one is called Living Life on Purpose and, and not just living life by default. Most of us just allow life to happen. If you get up in the morning and have a desire for God and go for that, that's what God is all about. Okay? Right, let's have a look at the Word of God. I want to, uh, I want to speak this morning on... Uh, a passage of scripture that I read at a funeral a couple of weeks ago. I was, I was in a funeral and while I was reading this passage of scripture, or at least preparing for the funeral, this passage of scripture came to me and I thought there's more to that than meets the eye. Sometimes you look in scripture and you can just read it, but then actually miss out on, on quite a crucial point. I was reading from John chapter 14. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I find it quite interesting that Jesus said to them, believe in God, believe also in me. Do you know, we live on a planet where people claim to be, who claim to be Christian, there's 2.4 billion people on the planet who claim to be Christian. Okay? 2.4 billion. That's more than a quarter of the world's population. There's 8.2 billion people on the planet, and 2.4 billion of them actually claim to be Christian. 1.9 billion claim to be Muslim, 1.2 billion claim to be Hindus, okay. Do you know what? There's only 6% of the world's population that claim to be atheists. We have a planet that believes in God. Have you got that? We have a planet that believes in God. You see, the problem for the church is not atheism, the problem for the church is people who believe in God but don't respond to Jesus. Have you got that? You believe in God. So he said that to his disciples. While he was with his disciples, he'd been with his disciples now for three and a half years. Jesus is going to die. And, and he, he's going to share 
the truth of, of the Word of God with them because he wanted them to be his representatives. And so Jesus says these words when they were a little bit disappointed because he'd said, I'm going to die. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, but believe also in me. See, they, they had a belief in God. And to follow that passage of Scripture up, we find that Philip and Thomas have, have, a, have a bit of a problem. Thomas says to him, how do we know where you're going? Show us the way. And of course, that incredible passage of Scripture comes from that response. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Philip then says these words, show us the Father, and then that will be okay. When we see God, when we see the Father, everything will be okay. Jesus says, have I been so long with you, and yet you don't know me? And that's my message this morning. It's possible for us to have a relationship with God, a relationship with church, a relationship with Christianity, or even Islam or Hinduism, all of those, all of those religions around the world believe in God. Five times a day, Muslims will be praying to God. The tragedy is, is that they miss Jesus. And it's possible for you to have a belief in God and yet miss Jesus. Miss him. How, how can it be that people could spend three and a half years in his presence with all of the miracles, with all of the teaching, with all of the wonderful things that he was doing, healing people and saving people and doing amazing things, and yet they still did not know him. Paul, at the end of his life, says these words in the book of Philippians. Even after writing almost two-thirds of the New Testament, he says these words, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, that I might be conformed unto his death, that by all means I might gain a better resurrection. And my challenge to you today is this, where are you in relation to Jesus? You see, it's possible to have a belief in God. When I go around hospitals and, and we're um, ministering to people in bed, people say, well, I'm not religious, but I do believe in God. I don't go to church, and I, and not, but, but I do believe in God. Is that okay? Actually, it's not okay. 94% of the world's population claim to believe in God. And yet, actually, if you look at people who are born again and people who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there's probably maybe a billion people on the planet. Now, that's a big church. But when you consider there's another 7 billion people who've not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that's an absolute tragedy. And each one of us need to get into a place where we begin to understand that to be in relationship with Jesus is the only answer and the only guarantee of going to heaven. You see, heaven is a wonderful place. 
But what a tragedy it would be if your loved ones <coughs> who probably claim and say, well, yeah, I believe in God. I, I believe there is a God. I, I believe that everything's okay. And, and yes, I'll go to heaven one day. But Jesus quite plainly says these words, that the only way to heaven is through me. The only way I'm, you're going to get into heaven is through Jesus, because he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So we have to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, because Jesus is the only way. And so the challenge to a great church like this, and it is a great church, and for each and every one of you is, do you know Jesus? How intimately do you know him? How is it possible, like I said before, for, for disciples to spend three years and more with him, day after day after day, eating, drinking, sleeping, sharing, literally in his presence, and still didn't know him? I think that's a staggering thing to say. And then we go to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, you find these words that Jesus asked the question, an amazing question. Who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do, who do people say I am? Oh, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're a great prophet. Some say you're this. Some say you're that. And you know, all of the religions of the world put Jesus high on the agenda. Jesus is a great man. Jesus is a prophet, probably the greatest of the prophets. Do you know that Islam believes that Jesus is going to come again? But what's the point in Jesus coming again if he's not coming for you? Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have this tentative belief in God even people believe that Jesus is somebody special. But actually, God manifest in the flesh. The Bible says this, that when Jesus was born at Christmas, he came to his own. But his own received him not. But to as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God who call upon his name. You see, so... Each and every one of us today have to come into that place where we understand something of, of God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus came, God came. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God in reality. In fact, the Old Testament God, when you read the Old Testament, you find that the Old Testament God was untouchable. They didn't even use his name, for goodness sake. They used what he did, not him. And yet when Jesus comes, he reveals to us the truth of God. He's like a father. And when you pray to him, say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so he reveals to us the truth of fatherhood, but then <clears throat> says something quite staggering to the disciples. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How come you're saying, show us the Father, 
Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The tragedy is, is that most people want to go with the Cliff Richard song or whatever from a distance. They're happy with a God at a distance, somehow not in relationship, but God doesn't want to be at a distance. He wants to come and live in you. He wants to come and live in me. And the way that he does that is through Jesus dying on a cross to save us from our sin so that we have the life of Christ living within us. So when you say, where is God? is in me. And hopefully is in you. When he asked that question of Peter, he said, and who do you think I am? He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he makes that incredible declaration. And Jesus says, you didn't get that from reading books. You didn't get that from a preacher. You didn't get that by learning. That came by revelation. And you know, it's possible for us to, to hear sermons, good sermons. It's possible for us to hear good things and, and for us to come in good company. But actually, just listening will not lead you to Christ. You need a revelation. You need God to reveal the truth. Because when we know the truth, it's the truth that sets us free. And that's important for us to, to have something about it. You see, even Peter, after making that declaration and having a revelation from God of who Jesus was, it did not change his life. Because by the end of that day, he was saying, I don't even know you. Isn't it crazy that you can have a revelation of God knowing who Jesus is and yet actually deny his existence within a few hours? And each one of us have to be careful that we're not living in a revelation and that we're denying his existence because of our lifestyle or denying his existence because when we have to stand up to truth and, and Madeline's right, Jesus is coming back and coming back soon and he's coming back for those who are looking for his appearing. He's looking for those who are trusting in Jesus, not who trusted in Jesus, not who have a belief in God, but people who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart and life, had their sins forgiven, and they're living for Jesus. That's why the encounter that Peter had with Jesus after the resurrection was important. Not just that he got a revelation of who Jesus was, but when Jesus speaks to him about, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and, and Jesus confronts him as regards where his love was. What was his first love? And when that challenge comes, Peter says, you know everything. You know that I love you. Can you see what has happened is he's moved from just a revelation, just a superficial understanding into knowing who Jesus is, knowing that he's his Lord, knowing that he's his savior. And Jesus then could well then say to him, okay, now you can go and feed my sheep. You can feed my flock. You can go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because you know who you love. You know that you're saved and you can share that message. That's me finished.
But I want to tell you, it's important that you don't play games with church. What a tragedy it would be to sit in here for three and a half years and yet not know Jesus. Have I been so long with you and yet you still don't know me? Wow. I thought that was powerful when I preached on that funeral service that day. Do you know what? There was a, a man that we were laying to rest. He'd sat in church for seven years. And for seven years, he'd resisted the gospel. And then one day, he got a revelation. You know what? Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to respond to him. And after sitting in church for seven years, he gave his life to Jesus. And his life was radically changed. Changed forever. And the last time we saw him, he shouted, the last thing he said actually was, bye Madeline. That was his last words. And I spoke to him just before that and prayed with him. And he said to me, Dave, I'll see you in heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. And I said, are you sure of that? He said, there's nothing more positive in my life than actually knowing that I'm on my way to heaven because Jesus saved me. And you know what? You can have that same assurance. You can have that same spirit from that same revelation. Have I been so long with you and yet you still don't know me? Paul, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And after 60 years of being a Christian, 55 years of being a Christian, we still have a passion to know him more. Still have a passion to get to know him, not to get to know the doctrines, not to get to know the background, not to get to know the Bible, to get to know him. Because to know him is to love him. To know him is to follow him. To know him is to fulfill his commands. To know him is to extend him and to share him among the nations. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you and you would like prayer, or perhaps this is your first time listening, then we'd love to connect with you at www.thedestinychurch.co.uk forward slash connect. You're welcome to join us every Sunday in person or online at 11am.